overwhelming urge, given Pastor Wayne's testimony, to go, I greet you <laughs> from the dark continent of Morgan County, Tennessee. <laughs> oh, Cofield. God is so faithful. And it's okay if my time gets cut into because if I have too much, I have a tendency to get in trouble. And so God just gives me enough to like get it done and, you know, not, not get too many people in trouble. So that's what we're going to do. Let's go ahead and get into the Word and see what He has to say this morning. Can you stand one more time? All right. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And one more, if we may. And you have forgotten the word encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Father, you are so faithful. God, you are so faithful and I love that you can do with one word things that we can never dream of doing, Father. I thank you, Lord, that your word will not return void to you today, but it will accomplish everything that you are sending it to do. So, Father, we're just going to sit under your word for a while. God, we're just going to ask that that word permeate these hard hearts. We're going to ask, Lord, that the walls come down. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, that we be so filled with the truth of your word that we actually go out and do it. So Father, let what is of me fall to the ground. I'll let them forget it as soon as I say it. But God, everything that is of you, everything that is eternal and pure and true, Father, let it go deep and within their spirits. Let it plant seed. Let it produce fruit, Father, I ask in Jesus' name. And they said... Amen. <laughs> Amen. It kind of feels like this week is a little bit of a journey back to the homeland of uh, <laughs> where I grew up because it seems like the Lord has just taken me back there several times in the last few weeks as I was preparing to teach on this. And I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit more today, teenagers. I'm looking at you. I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit more today because you all were on my heart a lot when I was preparing this. And I wouldn't look too happy about it because you don't know what's coming yet. But when I was, um, I used to love when I was a little girl, my grandmother and grandfather, they had a farm. We hardly ever went to the store when I was little because we were very self-sufficient on that farm. We had, um, you know, the vegetables, the, the cows, the pigs, the pond, everything. You could stand on my grandmother's porch and if you look to the right, there were fields of vegetables planted in the gardens. Um, and if you look straight ahead, there was a hill and a huge pond here and a huge pond there that kept everything fed and watered. 
and there was a barn and cows and all of that that were over there. And then if you look to the left toward my grandmother's backyard, I loved my grandmother's backyard because that was where the fruit was. There were fruit trees, there were apples, there were plums, there were grape vines that were just amazing, and there were strawberry plants. So normally, my motive, um, what I normally did when we got there is I headed straight for the backyard because I needed to see if any of that fruit was ripe in case my grandmother needed me to help her with that. <laughs> and she'd be like, Barbie, I swan to goodness, there used to be strawberries out there, you know, because... I helped pick them. She didn't say what I had to do with them once I picked them. And uh, so I used to love to run to her window or run to her uh, porch and look out at that backyard and check out the fruit. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to take a look at the fruit. I want us to take a look at the fruit in our own backyard. See, the tendency is when somebody brings a message, we want to check out the fruit in other people's backyard. Focus, people. <laughs> this is about you. <laughs> Rodney, I'm sorry, this is against what you teach. This is about them. <laughs> he teaches it's all, it's all about, you know, it's not all about us. Well, in this moment, I just want you to take a little bit of time and let's check out our own fruit. Let's see if God is birthing and developing this fruit of love in our life. Um, and I think it's important that we do that because... Have you noticed how everybody's got an opinion about what love is? Have you noticed how shallow, phenomenal cosmic word, phenomenal power to this word, of this love? And Pastor Ronnie was sharing, you know, several songs that came from it. I got tickled because this morning he was, you know, singing some of that, singing some of that. I'm like, yeah, that's Broadway and a musical. And, and my first thing when I heard it was, foreigner, I want to know what love is. <laughs> Woohoo! Shout out to anyway. <laughs> but uh, and then I thought I want to know what love is, and then I thought no, I don't. I really don't, because everybody's got an opinion about it. I was driving through Sonic to get a cherry limeade, which everybody should have every once in a while, a cherry limeade. And I look over, and I'm teaching on this, and I know it. And I look over, and there's this huge picture of this ice cream sundae, and it's got every topping you can possibly imagine on it. And the caption reads right beside it, "Real love." Really? I mean, really? This, this amazing force of the universe has been reduced to dairy products? <laughs> so I want to birth in your spirit something today, one little word that causes you to go a little bit deeper when you hear this. When somebody goes, oh, I really love, I want what your response needs to be is, really? Really? We're going to practice. Okay. I really love this nail polish color. Really? Really? Hmm. I don't even have any on. <laughs> or let's do one for Pastor Ronnie. I really love... Boats and cats. <laughs> really? Really? He doesn't care much for either. Boats or cats. See, it isn't that I want anybody to become a skeptic. 
But see, really is an adverb, and it describes something. It describes the action. It describes the verb, and what it asks for is verification. So when someone says, I love this, or I love you, or I love that, it's okay to go, really? And then find a little bit of verification. And the only verification that we can grab hold of that we know to be true, that isn't someone's opinion, that isn't what someone has decided that love is, is the word. And so we're going to grab hold of the word and take a look to, to get that verification because, see, I can say, I want to paint my, I need some paint for my office, but unless I have a picture of the original, if I have a swatch of the original, I can go and I can lay things up against it and find a match. Otherwise, I'm just guessing. This looks pretty close. That's what I want us to have in his word. It's something when, when that word, when we be, try to understand love, let's lay it up against these factors and see if it lines up and if it matches. I have a cousin named Marshall Ray Seavers. Marshall Ray Seavers. And he is exactly the way, what the word infers. <laughs> he, is, um, he was just as smart as a whip and as fast as he could be, and on my grandmother's farm, he knew everything. If it crawled, if it slithered, if it slank, if it climbed, he could tell you what it was. He could tell you if you could eat it or not. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's one of those things. And we trusted him. We trusted his word implicitly. If he said it wasn't going to hurt us, we believed him. Well, his mom, my Aunt Maureen, was not quite so trusting. And so when we walked in, and Marshall's carrying a snake... <laughs> we completely trusted him. He walks in and Aunt Maureen just takes off running and a squeal. And, and he's like, Mama, Mama, look at here. Mommy, this one's skinny. It, it ain't poison. It's skinny. You know, and he's going, it ain't poison. It's skinny. And then he said, and Maureen didn't care. You know, he's like, and he's following her with it, trying to convince her. <laughs> you know, look at here, Mama. And it's head, it ain't even diamond shaped. It, how can it be poison if its head ain't diamond shaped? Look at here, it won't even bite you. <laughs> now, see, in that moment, it was not, he knew it wasn't important to his mother what it was, it was important what it wasn't. He knew that his mother's peace in that moment of time was in going, this thing is not poison. <laughs> and see, the Lord teaches me a lot of times that way. He teaches me what something is by showing me what it isn't. And that's kind of where this scripture goes this week. He, and I think kind of that, that God must have felt that way too because when we get into this passage that we just read, he opens up it with two things that love is. Two things that love is followed by eight things that it isn't. So do you think that maybe he thought we might be a little bit confused about what love really looks like. So, anyways, we're going to get into that a little bit. He tells us that these foundational things, the first two things he tells us about love is that love is patient. Love is patient. I loved this um, definition of patience. It said, love is the... Um, let me give it to you. Huh? Patience. patience. It's the level of endurance one exhibits in difficult circumstances before moving into negativity. <laughs> Why does not just holding our tongue and being quiet? Patience is the level of endurance one exhibits in difficult circumstances 
before moving into negativity. Are you patient? How quick do you move into negativity? Really? You hear something or somebody does something? How quickly, man, do you jump into the negative? Well, I can't believe. Oh, I, you know, and we jump into the negative. Instead of standing there with some endurance and allowing God to unfold something and maybe give us some insight and wisdom that we don't have in that moment. And the second thing, the first thing that he tells us is that love is patient. Guys, single girls, single boys over here, young guys, ladies, if you are in a relationship with someone who is not patient and they're calling it love, it ain't. It ain't love. I'm sure it's other emotions, but it ain't love. Love is patient. Love endures. Love is patient. The second thing that it says is that love is kind. Love is kind. This literally, the picture is tattooed. It is marked. It is marked. This person who is kind is marked by charitable deeds, by goodness. It says their countenance is pleasant. Their countenance is pleasant and that they are genuinely concerned for others. Does this sound like the person that you're dating? Are they... <laughs> I'm just asking a question. Are they kind to you? Or is the way that they treat you far removed from kind? Can I tell you, you should never, ever have to walk on eggshells for anyone. If you fear him, kick him to the curb. And if she's controlling and manipulative, kick her to the curb. You don't need it. That ain't love. Don't be deluded into thinking that it is. You're worth more. You're worth so much more. Don't be deceived, guys. God has true love for you. And when, when it comes and when it's there, let me tell you what it is going to look like because it don't look like that. You know, and God, oh, the way that he loves you, the protection that he has for you. Let me tell you something, love does not envy. If you are in a relationship and that person, it wants to hold you back, doesn't want you to succeed, does not rejoice with you when you do something amazing, you don't need it. That's not love. If this person is boastful, and I know that I've switched over a little bit here because I know it's supposed to be about us, but y'all talk amongst yourselves because I'm going to talk to these guys over, over here for a minute. If they're boastful, if they are so full of themselves no one else can fit in the room, if they constantly tell you how good they are, back up. If they are prideful, if they will not listen to you, if they think you're not supposed to have an opinion, if they think you're not as smart as they are, well, that just proves that they're wrong if they think that. If they think they're smarter than you, if they're prideful, if they're boastful, if they're arrogant, that's not because they're macho. It's not because they're anything special. Guys, I'm, I'm serious. Guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart. Don't let just anybody in there. Guard your heart. You are precious. You are holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. Okay, I'm going to come back over there. <laughs> oh, but we are going to talk. <laughs> We're going to talk. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It doesn't dishonor you. 
Love has respect, is innate within love. Love is respectful. It never makes you feel ashamed. It never makes you feel regret. It never makes you feel like you're less than you were when you entered into the situation. It never does. That's not love. Love does not dishonor you. It does not cause you to lessen your morals or bring down your values or no longer stand for what you stood for before. If it dishonors you, it is not love. And if it dishonors you, it's not love either. (laughs) Oh, my heart hurts. I just wish you knew what you mean to him. I just wish you knew how much he loves you. I just, oh, my heart hurts. (laughs) Love is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. If somebody wants to tell you what you've been doing wrong over and over again, that is not love. That is not love. If they can tell you what you did three months ago that upset them, that's not love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And it doesn't delight in evil. If, if this person is telling you that they love you and they want you to do things that you know you shouldn't do and that they delight in evil, run! Run! If, you, if you're running with people who love to do what is wrong, run in the opposite direction. Run in the opposite direction because they don't love you. Oh, Jesus. Okay. In finding out what love isn't, it paints a pretty clear picture of what love is, don't you think? If love is not envious, if love is not envious, then love is charitable. You know, I, the picture I get in my mind is an envy, you know, envy and jealousy are, are not the same thing because envy is lust-based. Envy wants something that someone else has. Uh, and so it, you lust for something that they have. Jealousy is fear-based because jealousy fears losing something. You know, it's, you get jealous because you think whether you have it or not, you think something's being taken from you. The picture when I think about charitable, when I think about, uh, uh, you know, a love that doesn't hold you back, that doesn't restrict you and limit you, I think about, you know, runners in a race and Can you be the type of person that you might be running for all your worth, but somebody passes you? If your inclination is to trip them as they go by, you know what I want your inclination to be? If they can outrun you, applaud them and then run as hard as you can. You know, rejoice with people when they succeed. Rejoice with them when they move forward instead of tearing apart the reason that they are beyond you at that moment. Rejoice with them so that God can move you into those things. It is charitable. And it isn't, if it's not boastful, it's modest. Let me spell that. (laughs) Because it's not a word we use very often these days. Modest. Oh, really? But it's modest. You know what? What you're going to find is that when you don't have to toot your own horn, Somebody else always does. You know, if you can just, I'm not saying hide your lamp. I'm not saying hide your gifts or your abilities. 
But don't put them in resume form and hand them to your pastor when you walk in <laughs> and go, I could really fit in any of these areas. <laughs> it's like Pastor Ronnie says, is if you're a prophet, then why do you have to tell me? You know, don't tell me you're a prophet, just walk and be one. You know? Modesty, pride. The opposite of pride would be what? Humility. Are you humble? Are you humble? It is a trick question, because if you answer that, you're all of a sudden not. (laughs) That's what we do up here. We trip you up. Create issues for you at home. (laughs) Charitable, modest, humble, selfless, long-suffering, and delights in evil. It adds honor to you. Do you add honor to your relationships? Are your relationships adding honor to you? Do they strengthen you at your core? Do they strengthen you in your journey? Or do they tear you down? Love. Knowing what it isn't helps us to know what it looks like. And so when somebody goes, I love you, and then starts trying to control you, and starts trying to diminish you or bring you down I want you to go really really because God says that this is what love like talk about running somebody off quick (laughs) but baby I really love you really well first Corinthians says Mm-hmm. I know what t-shirts you all are getting for Christmas. <laughs> but see, there's one more thing that is missing from this whole love thing. This whole picture that we're painting about what love is and what love isn't. It says it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. If it isn't holding on for everything, if it's not protecting you, if it's not pushing you toward hope, if there's not a level of trust in it and perseverance in it. Does that sound like love to you? And see, love never fails. I love that it gives us four always. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then he goes, and on the opposite, and it never fails. Love never fails. I love that. I love that. But there's one missing element, and I believe that the Lord just kind of took me. When he took me to this one, I was just a little bit thrown by There's this one element of love that, that we as a generation have seemed to kind of disregard. And in disregarding this particular element of love, what we have done is we've become a group that loves to worship but doesn't love to serve. We've become a group that loves his presence but has no respect for his authority. You know, we have become... Um, I guess I've said enough. You know, it just just floors me. I was walking in the store yesterday, and there was a grandmother, probably almost about 70 years old, and she was walking with her granddaughter. Her granddaughter was probably about 14 years old, and, um, and they're just walking down through there, and this granddaughter's got a cell phone, and she's talking loud enough, you know, a lot of bravado, in this stuff and and she's going well I will just 
If she doesn't shut her mouth, I'm just going to pop a cap in the back of her head. I'm like, really, girl? I can take you. But <laughs> you ain't messed with somebody until you mess with a girl from Cofield. Say, I don't even need a gun. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that sound prideful? <laughs> don't encourage me, I get worse. But I'm thinking, you know what, God, you are so right. You are so right because that grandmother just acted like she hadn't heard a thing. I'd be going, here's what a cell phone tastes like, darling. <laughs> but see, the miss... <laughs> yeah, y'all have been there, haven't you? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. The television without the insides makes a great planter. Um, and I thought, God, you are so smart because the missing element, this one thing, and we saw it in Scripture, the missing element of true love is discipline. Ooh. It's missing. It's missing. Parents are afraid to correct their kids anymore. And I'm not talking about spanking them or beating them. I'm talking about laying out some boundaries and going, if you step outside of these, I'm going to affect your circumstances. <laughs> Love... Everybody's looking at Katie. I'm sorry, honey. My scripture for you today is, I will lay your stones in fair colors. And see, we, we've lost that. We're so afraid of our kids getting mad at us that we no longer uh, lay any boundaries for them. And, and we're so afraid of, you know, crushing their spirits. They don't even... Uh, and they wander around lost and then we get mad at them when they do stuff when we've never told them not to. You know, now on the other side of that, when they mess up, God's grace, mercy, you know, move in to cover and love them. But show them what the rules are. And see, it's the same thing in the church. If we, all we talk about is a God of love, then we never understand that the same God who brought us in can take us out. And see, without that reverence, if, there's not, uh, if you don't understand that God is a God who disciplines his children, you have no reverence in his presence. And if you have no reverence in his presence, you ain't going to get any power. You're not going to walk in holiness. There's not going to be a level of consecration in your life because if the only place you live is in grace and in mercy, God will, God will sustain you there, but you're not going to grow. You're not going to grow now. Anyway, the hidden, hidden element of true love is discipline because true love will let you know the boundaries. True love will instill in you a respect for authority because, guys, if you ever want to be in leadership, you've got to respect authority. 
If you don't respect authority, God will never place you in a place of leadership. You cannot be in authority if you cannot be under authority. Okay, discipline. And then the final thing, and we're going to close it up here. So if we can get musicians to at least gather in the back for a second. And if you don't mind, Pastor Wayne, if we could do the same thing with Tammy this service, that'd be great. Um, when we, when the, I first found out I was going to teach on this, the Lord took me, I always pray, and like, God, give me direction. And the Lord took me to this most random spot in my uh, as a child and, and made me remember something, honestly, that I had forgotten about in order to, to teach me. And I was probably about, probably about the same time as the snake incident, but I was probably about eight years old, and we played outside all the time. You didn't play inside unless something was broken, you know. And uh, we were going to play hide-and-seek. Everything at my house was gravel. We didn't do pavement. You know, the roads were gravel. We lived on Walls Hollow Road, and... Uh, it was a, a dirt road, and at the end of it was the strip pits, the coal mines up in the hills, and so all of the trucks went past our house. So everything was dusty. Everything was just kind of coated. Um, and we were going to play, and we were going to play hide-and-seek, and so somebody yelled, you know, started to count, and everybody took off to hide, and all the good hiding places were gone, and so I jumped behind this telephone pole or this electric pole, old, old creosote-soaked, piece of wood and I had on this uh, sundress that just you know leaves your back exposed and I backed up against it like this to, to try and hide and I was being very quiet and I thought you know I didn't think that they were going to find me well they were being quiet too and so they jumped around from the side and when they did it startled me and my feet went out from under me and my back went into that pole and I slid all the way down it And I felt like I had been set on fire. I had hundreds. I just started screaming for my mama. I just started screaming for her. And my sisters ran to me. And, of course, you hear the screen door as your mama comes <laughs> flying out. Well, my sisters got to me first, but they didn't want to look at it. Don't you know sometimes when you're really hurt, people can't look at you? They don't even know what to do with your pain. They don't even know what to do with that. And you know what the worst part was? The worst part was is our instinct when we're hurt is to cover it. Our instinct is to tuck into it. I couldn't even reach my own wounds. And I can remember just trying to get my hands back there, trying to do anything to touch that place, to just try. If I, I just thought if I could apply some pressure there, anything. But I couldn't reach my own wounds. And you know what, guys? Sometimes you can't reach that place. Sometimes you can't. Well, my mama got out there, and the first thing she did is she starts talking to me. She starts soothing me, and she starts taking me into the house. Well, because that thing had creosote and coal dust and everything in it, literally by the time we got in the house, my back just rash and it just everything had just already in that short amount of time. So she sits down, she gets me to lay down, and she sits down next to me, and she just starts talking to me. And the whole time, that, you know what I remember? I remember looking at her, and, and I can remember begging her not to do it. Because, see, we couldn't go to the doctor back then. We, didn't, we couldn't afford it. We didn't do it. And so we took care of it. And I can remember her 
sitting over it. See, I'd always been taught, if you don't say God's name, the only time you'd really say God's name is in church and it better be in prayer and it better be holy or it's in vain. But as she sat there at my back trying to work on this, trying to get some of this out of my back, all I could hear her saying is, oh God, oh God, oh God. These big old tears and her hands were shaking trying to do this, oh God, oh God. And I thought, when the Lord reminded me of that, he, he, I just, it just settled on like, God, that was love. That was love to hurt me, to heal me. That was like, you know what? I, I could not stand her voice at that time because, see, what she would do is she would work on it for a little while and then she would put this, this uh, salve on it and then she would let me get out for a little bit to go do something to get my mind off of it. You know, and then she would call me back after a little bit and she would work on it a little bit at a time and I hated when she called my voice because there was pain attached to it. But I also knew the price that she was paying for my healing in that moment. Now see, my kids, there's not one thing that they've been, every hard thing, every pain, every bruise, everything, if I could have taken it, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. I would die for them in a heartbeat. I would take their pain. And see, that's what Jesus did, and that's what love does. Love takes the hit. Love takes the hit. Love does what is necessary in order for healing to come. Love does what is necessary to lay boundaries. Love does what is necessary to make you whole, to keep you safe, to bring life to you. Love takes the hit. Love does the hard stuff. If it will not do the hard stuff, if it will not take the hit for you, then it's not love. And see, now that is something that you can stack up and then you can go, really? That's love. That's love. Can you stand with me? If I could get the elders, their wives, pastors, their wives staff Jesus Jesus you know I felt like God said there are just so many needs in this room to just go whosoever will today whosoever will if you need prayer today if you need prayer for healing for those places you cannot reach if you need uh, God to just give you wisdom in a situation, if you need God to give you clarity, he said, ask him and he will give you wisdom. If you just need today, will you come and let someone pray with you and agree with you and the rest of us, we're just going to worship him. opportunity to come and receive help.
and there is none in all the there is none in all the earth like you protection. I ask God that you cover their heads in this day of battle, that your glory would be their rear guard, Father God. I'm asking, Father God, that you surround them, that you keep them. I pray, Father God, for truth on the deepest part of them, Father. I pray they never compromise. I pray they never back up. I pray, Father God, they carry this torch forward, Father God, bringing all of the beauty that they possess into the kingdom, Father. Not diminished, not shortchanged, not less than they were, but always growing, 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 producing fruit in you, Father God. Cover them, God, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. And now for everyone. Father God, I ask that your breath be our life. I pray, Father God, that you reign over us, God. I'm asking, Father, for the blessing of clarity, no double-mindedness. I'm asking, Father God, that really, Father, we begin to understand and bear the fruit of love. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.